This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well? Good. Good to be here with you. We're in this Words to Live By series, and uh, I got to tell you, there's a couple words uh, that I've been hearing a lot of in my own household. I'm living this in my household right now, and we're actually, we're cheating a little bit, because in this series, every week, we've been taking one word and diving into it, and this morning, I'm actually bringing two words. I've been living a lot of yeses and knows in my household recently. I, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna even show you an example of this. <laughs> super quick, but that's my one-year-old son, Abram, and right now he's uh, super into figuring out yes and no. And what I love about it is this, when you get him to say yes, he's like super, he like takes his time with it, and he's very intentional, and he's like, like it's like really slow, and he like gets his head into it, but no comes like very quickly. It's just like the head flies around side to side, and so we're hearing or we're seeing lots of yeses and nos. I've got a four-year-old daughter as well. Her favorite word seems to be no, but you guys understand that, I bet, but isn't it, isn't it interesting? I want to dive in this morning. Isn't it interesting that the words yes and no are some of the first words that we learn in our lives? I found that out quickly once I had kids. It was like that. Those were some of the first words that they learned. And it seems like I just mentioned, it seems like no in particular uh, seems to be the favorite for a lot of small children, doesn't it? Like it just seems to be their all-time favorite. And so today we get to dive into a story that I believe hits on both of these words. And I think it's interesting. I think it's super interesting because we live these words out every single day. And so I want to take a little bit of a detour because in this series we've been kind of camping out in the book of John. And yet today we're going to take a detour and we're going to look all the way back into the book of Exodus because I, I believe there's a story in Exodus that's really fascinating in the midst of this Words to Live By series and specifically when it comes to the words yes and no. So I want to do that this morning, church. Can you carry the words yes and no mentally into our scripture today? Today, which dives into an important aspect of some guy named Moses. And so I want to dive in this morning together. We're talking, we're going to talk again in the book of Exodus, and I'm going to give you the scripture here in just a moment. I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit, but you'll understand why. And so today, I actually want to talk about an aspect of Moses' life that doesn't get talked about quite as much. Like, when I say the name Moses, we probably think of, I don't know, a few different stories. We routinely, we routinely hear about the ways that, that Moses rescued, uh, rescued the Israelites, and, and, he, and he, he split the, the Red Sea, right? He was, he was rescued himself as a baby from the Nile River. We hear about that aspect of his life, or, and he was raised up as Egyptian royalty. We often talk about how Moses confronted Pharaoh, and we learn about how he led the, the Hebrew people, right, through the Red Sea and through the desert even for 40 years. We hear about all of these big accomplishments when it comes to Moses. And we, we tend to just assume that he was a natural-born leader. But honestly, Moses was just kind of a regular guy. And like you and me, he had flaws. And, 
And one in particular stands out to me today. And so this is where I want to pick up in the story of Moses. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a little context. This is right after Moses had murdered somebody. Now, if you haven't heard that story before, I'm not going to dive deeply into that one, but it's a crazy part of Moses' story. And so we're going to pick up right after he had just murdered someone and then ran away to eat or ran away from Egypt. And so one week, Moses is an Egyptian prince, and the next week, he's got a job taking care of sheep. So one day, while, while watching the sheep, Moses actually comes across something super unusual. Maybe you've heard this part of the story as well. It's, it's a shrub that's on fire. It's a shrub that's, that's on fire. It's burning. It looks like it's burning, but it's actually not burning up. And so as Moses moves closer to this shrub, the shrub seems to start talking to him. And to make it even better... It's God's voice that Moses is hearing coming from this burning shrub. And so while the whole idea of this probably seems crazy, God wasn't just doing something flashy to get Moses' attention. God actually has a message for Moses. And the message is this, is that God had been paying attention to the prayers of his people, the Hebrew people who were stuck in slavery in Egypt. And so God, through this fire... He tells Moses that he's sending him to deliver the Hebrew people from the Egyptian rule. But if you know this part of the story, maybe you know that Moses isn't exactly enthralled with the idea. That God is like, God basically goes to Moses and says, hey, I want you to do this. And Moses kind of steps back from the idea a little bit. Like he he had left Egypt, he had lived in Egypt and then fleed from Egypt because he murdered somebody and is basically running from the life that he once lived. And now God is calling him back to Egypt. So Moses is on the run, but God now wants him to go back. And this is where I want to dive into our scripture. So God asks him to do this. And at first, Moses kind of takes a humble approach to his response. And he says this in Exodus 3, verse 11. Moses says, God... Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God, who am I? Are you sure? Like, who am I to do that? That's a pretty tall task, a pretty, pretty big uh, challenge ahead. Who am I to complete this? But I love this. God isn't hearing it. We get this dialogue between God and Moses. God isn't hearing it. And again, he tells Moses that the job to go save the Israelite people, to set them free, that the job to do that is on him. And that God will be with him on this entire trip and journey. And that that is exactly what Moses should tell people when he makes his way back to the land that he fled from. That he's back because God has has called him to do so, and that God is with him. So God's like, don't worry. Don't worry. I know you're, you're wondering, like, who am I that I should go back to Egypt? And God's like, I got, we got this. I'm with you. And yet Moses is still hesitant. In Exodus 4, verse 10, Moses responds back. He goes, oh, God, I, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. 
And so Moses is actually admitting in this moment that he has what we believe, that theologians believe, was a speech impediment. And at this point, Moses is no longer trying to be humble. This is basically Moses saying, uh, God, you've got the wrong guy. This is not me. This is not what I'm supposed to do. You see, this is Moses getting real about how he doesn't think that he has what it takes to be a speaker let alone a speaker who's going to convince Pharaoh to let his people go from slavery. And yet again, God doesn't back down so easily. We get more dialogue. Exodus 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And so this is God saying, you can be braver than you think you are because of me. You are not alone. I am with you, and I made you. You don't have to figure this out all by yourself. And so again, it's this back and forth and back and forth. And at this point in the movies, this is where like the inspirational music would kick in after God gives like the pep talk and all of a sudden Moses is like, I'm ready for the battle and like goes for it. And yet that's not what we see happen. It's not a movie, it's real life. And, and just like you and me, Moses has insecurities. And after God's inspiring speech, Moses actually responds by saying this in Exodus 4.13. He literally says, Lord, please send anyone else. Literally anyone else. I'm not the guy. I don't, I don't care what you have to say about me. I'm not the guy for the job. Please send anyone else. So the pep talk from God, it just didn't work. And so now we see in Scripture that God is actually mad because he's inviting Moses in. He's, he's inviting Moses to do something amazing, and Moses is begging to get out of it. You ever experienced that in your own life where you felt God calling you to do something amazing, and, and you find yourself begging to get out of it? And so God does this. He instead, he suggests that Moses' brother Aaron comes along on the journey as a speaker to Pharaoh. But that doesn't mean that Moses is off the hook. And this is what God says in Exodus 4.15. God tells Moses, talk to him, as in Aaron. Talk to Aaron and put the words in his mouth. I will be both of you as you speak. I will be with both of you as you speak. And I will instruct you both in what to do. I love this because God doesn't let Moses off the hook. He says, talk to your brother, and then you, Moses, you put the words into Aaron's mouth. So again, that's, that's our passage for this morning. I love this dialogue back and forth between God and Moses because I believe it sets the stage for what we're going to talk about this morning, these two words, yes and no. And we're in the midst of this Words to Live By series and when I read this scripture passage, I immediately, I immediately think of my own life, my own yeses, and my own noes that I've experienced. And so this morning, church, I want to start off with the word yes. Let's take it one at a time. I want to start off with the word yes with you. And this is, again, this is one of my favorite dialogues in all of scripture because 
because it reminds me of how human we all are. It reminds me of how human I am. That even when there's moments when I think that I'm in tune with God and what God is doing in my life, I find myself begging to get out of what he's called me to. And there's been, th- there's been times for all of us where I think it, it can be right in front of us, God's invitation, and yet we're hesitant to accept it. And so here's a question that sticks out to me from Moses' interaction with God in this passage. And it's this. Is there a place, I ask myself this question, is there a place in my life where I can turn a no toward God into a yes? Is there a place in my life where I can turn a no from a no toward God into a yes? In other words, in my life, where where is God inviting me to go that I'm RSVPing with a no thanks? <laughs> I won't miss out on that wedding. No, I'm good. (laughs) Where can I take a chance on God and say yes? See, because I I believe, like I said earlier, that we are like Moses in a lot of ways. We'll we'll come up, I, I know this about myself at times, I've done this. I've come up with every reason in the book to act like I can't say yes to where God's calling me. Oh, I can't. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe you've experienced, maybe you've even said things like this before you thought things like this. Like, oh, I can't pray. It's awkward. And I don't, I don't know what to say. I can't do that. Or maybe it's, yeah, I'm not forgiving that person. There's no way I'm forgiving that person because what they did was unforgivable. Or maybe it's, I can't, man, I can't open up the Bible and read it every day. I'm too busy and I'm not even much of a reader. You see, but if we're limiting ourselves and our relationship with God because of, our, because of our lack of willingness to say yes, what is that doing to us? What if we're limiting our own relationship with God because of our lack of willingness to say yes to where he's calling us in life? Let's start here. What? Why say, okay, so if we're talking about saying yes to God, why say yes in the first place? Like usually if we're, if we're gonna say yes to something, we wanna know why, like we want good reason to say yes to something. We do that in our own daily lives, don't we? Because we realize, we recognize that if we say yes to one thing, a lot of the time that means we're saying no to something else. So why we say yes to something is super important. So why say yes to God in the first place? Well, because time and time again in scripture, we see that saying yes to God brings this thing called freedom. It was July 4th this past week, this thing called freedom that we celebrate. It's a, this is a different level of freedom that we're talking about. And it's, it's in this very story that God even says in Exodus 6, verse 6, he says this, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression." And will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. God gives, God gives freedom. God gives freedom in this story. He gives freedom to the Israelite people. God gives freedom to Moses through calling him into action. And yet I think this. I think instinctually we think saying yes means losing freedom. But it doesn't. It actually gives a freedom like nothing else we've ever experienced before when we say yes to God. See, Moses choosing to say yes 
to God's calling brought freedom to the Israelite people. And so here's my question. I, I asked myself that question. I just, we just hit upon it. What, man, what can I change my tune on when it comes to following Jesus? What could you change your tune on when it comes to following Jesus? Is there an area that God's been calling you to that you just have been hesitant to go? Has there been an area where God's been calling you to wade into deeper waters with him, but you're fearful of the depth? What would it look like to go on a journey with God into uncharted territories in your life? I can't help but believe that it would be an experience similar to that of Moses. It reminds me even of the first time that I ever I ever went on a, a, a legitimate, let's call it a legitimate roller coaster. First time I ever went on a legitimate roller coaster. You see, I was, as a kid, I was super afraid of heights. You're going to see this coaster going on behind me. But I remember, I remember going to Michigan's Adventure. Anybody been to Michigan's Adventure before? I love a Michigan's Adventure, two parts for the price of one. You know what I'm talking about? It gets stuck in my head. I remember, I remember going to Michigan's Adventure. I didn't even like roller coasters, but I went with my youth group. And I remember getting there, and uh, there's this ride there called Shivering Timbers. And that's what you're watching behind me. And uh, it's this giant wooden roller coaster. At one point in time, this was the tallest wooden roller coaster, uh, I believe, in the country. That is, it's been surpassed by many other coasters by now. But it's still quite the ride. And I remember, I remember somehow I got, I got talked into going on Shivering Timbers. And I remember going, I was so nervous. I remember being just completely freaked out by this. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. That first hill freaks me out, God. I can't do this. There's nothing in me that wants to do this. And I remember going on the coaster and going on that first hill and into the second hill. And I remember all of a sudden this feeling inside me of just like my stomach up into my heart and this feeling of fear turned into something else that turned into complete joy. And I went from being that guy that was like started off the ride like, <laughs> like to being like, ah, like laughing through the whole thing until I finally got to the end of the coaster and I get off and I've got, I've got that, you ever been on a coaster where like the tears where you get like sucked out of your eyeballs and they're like going down to the side of your face? I remember having like, tear, like tears dry to the side of my face from going on this and everybody that I was there with turns and looks at me and they're like, what'd you think, what'd you think? And I was like, I loved it! And I just lost my mind over how much I loved this roller coaster. And to, to this day, ever since that moment, I've been a huge fan of roller coasters. But to this day, that still was the best ride of my life. I've been on much taller. I've been on much faster. I've been on coasters that spun and twisted and all this stuff. But that first ride on Shivering Timbers was the best ride of my life. Was I freaked out at times? Yes, you betcha. Did I think I might pee my pants? Yes, sir, I did. I really thought it was going to happen. Did it give me new perspective and a renewed mind. Yeah, it did. Did I find new joy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. And I realized that, that that ride led to many other rides in my life that brought new joy. Maybe God's asking you to go on a new ride with him. Maybe he's been asking you to go on a new ride with him for a while. And you've been turning him down out of fear. Maybe God's been asking you to, to break an addiction 
or to find forgiveness or to turn away from your prejudice or to, or to actually just dust off and read your Bible for once or, or to chat with that loved one about Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's time to go and conquer it because God's been calling you into it and yet you've been hesitant. Like, like Moses, we've been hesitant. God, you've got the wrong person. I'm not the right person for the job. Maybe it is time to go and conquer it. Maybe it's past time. And so again, I ask the question, is there a place in your life where you can turn a no toward God into a yes? Here's the deal, though. There's, there's a flip side. And so going way back to one of my very first thoughts at the beginning of this message, I wonder if the reason the word no tends to be a favorite for kids, I wonder if that reason is because the person who wields the word no gains power and control when they do so. You ever thought about that? Like it's very, it's very definitive and final, isn't it? Like no, I don't want to eat a fully balanced, delicious, took significant time to prepare meal. I want to eat processed snacks. I hear, that's the argument I hear in my house all the time. Not quite as eloquently described, but, you know, no, I'm not going to go and confront, confront uh, Pharaoh in Egypt and set the Israelite people free. I'm not going to do that. No, God. Yeah, I want you to remember this. Remo uh, Moses had actually, at the very beginning of the story, I gave a little bit of context that Moses had actually killed another man. He killed an Egyptian. And so Moses, as Egyptian royalty, kills another Egyptian and decides to flee to the land of Midian. And it's here in Midian that Moses starts a new life. He, he gets married and he, he marries this woman named Zipporah and together they had a son and they named him Gershom. And so Moses goes on the run and he presses reset on his life. Again, maybe that's been you before. And he's away from Pharaoh in Egypt. He's, he's in this place called Midian, which was a region of what we now call Saudi Arabia. So he's actually completely outside of, of Pharaoh's uh, rule. He's completely outside of Pharaoh's jurisdiction. And he's now living a much different life than the one he had before. Again, he went from Egyptian royalty to watching sheep in Saudi Arabia. He went from being this this famous person, this famous Egyptian royalty that everybody knew to a complete unknown foreigner in a new land. And now scripture, I want to tell you this, scripture doesn't explicitly tell us this, but when I read this, I, I can imagine that Moses was probably pretty satisfied with his new life. You know, he's not living in fear anymore. He settled down with a family. It's like his retirement plan was already coming to fruition. And, and suddenly... God says, no, that's not what I have planned for you. Have you ever made moments, have you ever, have you ever made plans for your life that seemed just right? And then you had, those, you had those plans go awry? Chances are, if you're, if you're anything like me, then those moments have led to frustration with God. Anger with God, disappointment in God, sadness, doubt. The list goes on and on. They're not fun moments, are they? 
and they lead to a lot of questioning. And when those life moments hit, I believe it's a good reminder that I'm not in control. It's also a good reminder that, that my faith will be fragile if I let it be. It won't be fragile if, if God doesn't do what I want him to do in my life. No, it will be fragile if I allow my faith to be fragile. See, I constantly have to remind myself every day, every week, every month and year that one change of events, one unplanned thing, one, one dream not becoming reality doesn't mean that God's not on the throne. It doesn't mean that God's abandoned or deserted me. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't hear me. But it does mean this, that God is saying no to that thing because he has a better yes in store. Believe it, church. God is saying no to that thing because he has a better yes in store for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I want to go back and I want to, I want to ask this question. How do I react when the no I experience doesn't come from my mouth, but instead comes from God's? How do I react when the no doesn't come from my mouth, but instead it comes from God's in my life? Again, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. God doesn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay, I'm kind of sure of the plans I have for you. It says, for I know the plans, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And, and a lot of us know this verse, don't we? A lot of us know this verse because it's, it's framed as decor in our house. <laughs> Maybe we have it tattooed on our arm. or It's everywhere. This verse is everywhere. And here's what that, here's what I want to tell you. It, here's what that verse doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God will deliver you or us from hardship. People, people face hardship everywhere across the globe, right? Some worse than others. Yet this verse, it's not a promise to eradicate hardship. It's a promise that God will give hope and strength to carry on as we live through the hardship. God's plans to prosper, they probably won't even fit into this box of our worldly perspective because God's plans to prosper are far bigger than ours. And they always further his name, his kingdom, and his good. And so again, I ask the question, how do you react when God says no? How do you react when God says no? Do you see it as discouraging defeat? and reason for doubt? Or do you see it as an opportunity to put deeper faith in God and his plan? You see, my, my prayer this morning, church, is our, as the worship team gets ready to come back forward and lead us in worship, my, my prayer this morning, church, is that our yeses to God 
would be spoken emphatically and be life-changing and that God's nose would actually rally us to draw closer to him and not further away. Man, it can be difficult at times to say yes. It can be difficult because God, I believe God calls us out of the comfortable and into the uncomfortable. It can be difficult to step out of comfortable and into uncomfortable. It definitely can. And yet in this story of Moses, when we see, when we see him say yes finally, and it took, some, it took some dialogue, but when Moses finally says yes and brings his brother along with him, we see God just bring freedom, don't we? And so when we step into the yes that God has for us, we experience freedom. And again, on the flip side, when, when God does say no, do you react poorly? I, I'm guilty as charged. God said no to many things in my life. Have I reacted poorly? Yes, I absolutely have. But I've also learned that it's those moments that when God, when God says no, that I have a great opportunity to put deeper faith into him. And so my, again, my prayer this morning, church, is that you will. You'll lean into the yeses that God's calling you to, and you'll lean even harder maybe into the no's that God has said. And go, God, I'm not in control and you are, and that's a good thing. Yes is a super powerful word. No is a super powerful word. And I believe that they're words that we live by each and every single day. Church, again, my, my hope and encouragement this morning is that yes would be a positive thing and that no too would be a positive thing as we step into the life that God's calling us to. Would you make the decision to live by these two words in a new way this morning? So let's pray together as we get ready to worship. Father God, again, I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the opportunity to say yes to you. God, you know my heart. God, you know my proclivity to say, no, I'm not gonna do that. God, would you work in our hearts in a way where we soften them up to you in the, in the places you're calling us to go? Because when we say yes and we step, we step into that, God, we see your power, your majesty, your sovereignty, your freedom in new impactful ways. God, would you help us to do that this morning? And then, God, would you help us on the flip side when we experience a no from you? God, would you help us to to learn how to trust. God, there's so many moments where we hear no from you, where we go, I thought I had my life planned out perfectly and you threw this curveball at me. God, why did you do that? God, my prayer this morning is that as we ask the question why, that we'll be willing to hear your answer. God, I pray that over us this morning. Would you continue to, to empower us and equip us, God, to live out the yeses and the nose in a way that glorifies your name and your kingdom. God, in a way that spreads your name and your love to, to the people around us, our communities around us. God, in a way that impacts our families, impacts our, our parents, our spouses, our kids. God, would you, would you continue to guide us in that? And again, God, I pray that we step into that. So thank you again, Lord, for the, the opportunity to do so. 
God, we worship you this morning, recognizing that your no is powerful and our yes is powerful as well. So we continue to praise you and worship you in that. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray together. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.